I'm Aaron. This is Paul. This is Wayne. And this is Tim. Well, happy 1,000th to Action Comics this week. This is our, our very special rocketed from, from Krypton, rocketed from the dying planet Krypton. I'll get this right. Rocketed from the dying planet Krypton to the planet Earth. It's a super episode of Funny Books with Aaron and Polly in which our podcast will be imbued with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal podcasts. Will it also cost four times the amount it should? Yes. It will. It will. <laughs> okay. And uh, there four will be some questions. There will be some questionable artwork and uh, <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, yeah, we're going to have we're one going... one really piece of shit Jim Lee cover. That's what we're going to have. <laughs> <laughs> and we're all going to start wearing our underwear on the outside again. And talk Inexplicably. About Inexplicably. Stopped? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we appreciate how trad Tim is. <laughs> Trad. What is happening Trad. in this podcast? <laughs> we're going back to old speak, Paul, because we're issue 1000. Oh, yeah. Everything oh, yeah. old is new again. Woo. Woo. Well, on top of that, we are now safe. The streets are safe once again because Allison Mack is behind bars. Don't you imagine that in prison she's starting some sort of prison sex cult, you know, right there in the prison? It's like an episode of Oz is what I'm thinking. I would think so. Yeah, I'd so, be disappointed if she's not. Yeah. So I usually don't do much with Twitter anymore, but uh, I saw Paul tweet this out, and I go out to the news article, the uh, the tweet from the whatever news organization it was that had posted what he retweeted, and I'm looking at the replies, and like half of them are, "This can't be real." <laughs> Come on, did you research your story? Is this supposed to be an April Fool's joke? It's just filled with people disbelieving it. You know, it is a hard story to believe, but yeah, I mean, it's been a story that's been around long enough that uh, you'd think that people would understand the veracity of it, right? Well, and so one of the interesting aspects of it that I, that, you know, has come out is that Kristen Kruk is the one who recruited Allison Mack. Yeah, I read this, that. Uh, cult, but then left the cult before it turned, it supposedly, culty, before it turned into a sex cult. Well, I think it was back when just, you know, it was just, you know, wild and crazy free sex and whatnot. And then it got culty. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm fine with my deviant sex, but you throw a little religion in there with it. I'm out. <laughs> I'm out. <laughs> I don't want to get branded. It, it, yeah, it's when it turns pamphlet that you got to leave. Yeah. <laughs> what? No. We're going to need you to go door to door. <laughs> yeah. Crazy sex. You know, Carvey. Yeah. You know, Branding yourself, all that's cool. But when you have to actually go talk to people, that's the line. Yeah. I don't want to put work into this thing. That's right. That's right. It's all fun and games until you get religion involved. Or branded. Or branded. <laughs> we, well, want to, we want to brand you, Aaron. Okay. Okay. And you start rolling up your sleeve. No, no. No, no. We need we need to get that right there on your pelvic area. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, that's going to be a hard out for me. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. Aaron's like, that's that's going to clash with that tramp stamp. I don't. Yeah, yeah. I can't have that. I, I mean, I feel bad. I feel bad for Paul that this this sex call didn't make it to Virginia for him. I do too. I know. He, I knew he was holding up hope, but now, well, now he know, was. He's going to have to join a militia Paul, or something. Paul is our resident fifty year old virgin, yes. as uh, our YouTube channel commenters will tell you. So. <laughs> <laughs> You know, but sadly, though, I mean, it's not like I was ever into Allison Mack. I, I was more of the uh, the lowest. No, but you were whoever... hoping to be into Allison Mack, right? <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently that took some branding. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, oh, nice. Oh, nice. Well, speaking of branding, apparently DC is launching a new brand. Um, so, you know, it was announced a while back that when Brian Michael Bendis joined DC Comics, that he would be uh, not only bringing his titles from the Icon imprint, his creator-owned titles, but that he would also be overseeing, like, a new line um, from DC Comics. And so what this kind of coincides with a lot of runs ending on a number of titles, right? So um, since DC Rebirth, uh, you know, a lot of folks had 
long-term investments on lines, whether it be Dan Jurgens on, on Action Comics or um, Batman Beyond or uh, the Van Jensen and the other creators on Green Lantern books, that kind of thing. Well, a lot of those runs are coming to an end. You know, Tom King still has a, 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 a he's, he's only about halfway through his, his idea or his uh, storyline, but others are kind of wrapping up. And with that in mind, Bendis is kind of recruiting some, supposedly. So this is all rumor, I should say. None of it's been officially announced. Um, but the rumors is that Bendis is recruiting uh, some some of his, his old crew to, to come join DC Comics, um, including um, currently rumored Grant Morrison on Green Lantern, Brian Azzarello on Suicide Squad, Kelly Sue DeConnick on Aquaman, David Walker on The Flash comic, and... Matt Fraction on an undisclosed title as of yet, um, but it sounds like uh, you know the band's getting back together, and I'm just waiting for that Hickman announcement. Damn it! Well, you know it does not surprise me at all that he's bringing uh, Fraction and Kelly Sue over. I mean they are super tight. I would also expect that if if even though it's not successful, that he's probably taking a run at Ed Brubaker. I would imagine so, and that's not going to yeah. happen. No, because I... Brubaker's doing too well on his own. Yeah, he's not I coming. Really... He's not... Don't like that lineup. I would agree. Grant Morrison, yuck. Yes, uh, I mean that's the one that jumps out the most yeah. is Grant Morrison. But I'm not a Brian Azzarello fan either. Well, and uh, you know the as as much as I like Kelly Sue, I, I I'm not sure that Aquaman is the book for her. Yeah, I'm not a fan. I got to be honest. I'm, I'm I, I like Brian Azzarello periodically. I think he's uneven. I think for Suicide Squad, he's probably the right guy for that book. Yeah, I think I think he's he's probably pitch perfect for Suicide Squad, but I will also say I don't much care for Suicide Squad. So <laughs> True. <Yeah. laughs> I think Grant Morrison is great for Green Lantern cuz I'm not going to buy the comic. Anymore. <laughs> that's right. It may, what I like is when I can clearly define, "Hey, that's not a comic I have to buy." <laughs> well, I'm like, uh, of 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 all those that that you just mentioned, the only one that I was I raised an eyebrow at is Man, if, if Matt Fraction had the right book in DC, uh, maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah. The rest of them, eh. Well, apparently there was talk of Matt Fraction taking over a Jimmy Olsen book, but uh, that that seems to that would, be... That would not be the book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right now. That would not be the book I'd be talking about. <laughs> So we'll see. We'll see. You know, um, none of this is official, but I would not be surprised to see some of these creators. And you know, apparently DC has been trying to get Hickman hard and Hickman, not, that came out wrong, has been trying hard to well, get Hickman. You, you send a little Alice Mack. I, yeah, there you go. I like the how you do that. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. I, I um it's interesting how kind of the tables have turned, and the only one left at Marvel right now from that from that old crew is really Jason Aaron. Yeah, and I mean, if if Marvel's not throwing every dollar they have at, at Jason Aaron, they're crazy. Dude's oh, writing the know, Avengers; he's fine. Yeah, and you know what? I didn't even mention this, but uh, one of my friends went to C two E two and got me a Jason Aaron autographed Thor. Nice, <laughs> a Jane <laughs> Foster uh, Thor. <laughs> It's part of the story. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> so, so she got there, and the only Thors that were left that was a uh, was Thor seven hundred. It, it had both of them on the cover, and she told him that she needed to take a picture of him signing it, otherwise I wouldn't believe her. Which is totally true because we had this conversation that anybody could sign anything, and you could buy, you'd buy it. But so yeah, so Jason Aaron apparently asked if I was a dick or a douchebag. <laughs> And oh. she she clearly identified I was a dick, which is the right answer. So, <laughs> so I've got a picture of him holding it <laughs> and the sign and the sign comic. But yes, it was there is a Jane Foster Thor on there. So it's it's I don't know if it's gonna get framed. Let's put it that way. <laughs> That's kind of hilarious. That is a great thing. <laughs> I can't believe I didn't even think to talk to you guys about that. <laughs> well, whatever. I, let's put it this way. I am glad Jason Aaron is still on on Marvel, and I I, I actually hope that DC is, is able to uh, get Hick, get the Hickman over there. I would love Hickman on Justice League. I, I would I, love I, Hickman on New Gods. I, I could live with that too, but uh, I, you know, I, I just he needs to be writing a big book like he like he did for uh, Marvel on Avengers. 
Agreed. He he yeah. needs the long game, right? Yeah. Hickman, he's not going to come in and do a six issue arc and you're going to feel satisfied. He, that dude needs 60 issues or six years right. to get right. to the end of his story. Yeah. Um, you know, speaking of Hickman, and this is unrelated to, to DC Comics, apparently East of West is being optioned for a series at, I believe, Amazon as part of that whole um, deal they have with uh, Mark yeah. Miller and all that, or not Mark Miller, Skybound yeah. and Robert Kirkman. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that would be I'd li- cool. I, that could be a, a a really good property on television. I think it's yeah. it's so weird. Uh, I think that and it's such a a visual book. Um, I think that could be really interesting on television, particularly on something like Amazon. Agreed. I have so many backlog shows. I don't need another show. <laughs> well, uh, we're going to be talking about Lost in Space in a separate podcast, which I finished this morning, Aaron. I finished. Uh, so many words, Paul. So, so many, many words. words. Yeah. But today, we're going to be talking about Superman. Today is April 21st, and I want it noted that in addition to this being the week Action Comics number 1000 came out, in fact, I should say this Wednesday, April 18th, is when Action Comics number 1000 came out. Action Comics um, number one came out April 18th, 1938. So in addition to Action Comics, uh, or the publication date, I should say, was listed or as April 18th, 1938. You know, things were a little fluky back then in the uh, 30s as far as release dates. But, so in addition to Action Comics 1000 coming out this Wednesday, it is it was also the official 80th anniversary of Superman. And so that's why we're going to be talking about Superman a lot today. Um, as you guys know, anyone who's listened to the podcast for any bit of time, most of us are fans of Superman. Tim, Tim actually read some Superman books this week, so we'll give it to him. But, you know, a lot a lot of Superman was released this week in, in celebration. We had Super Sons. We had Superman. We had Action Comics number 1000. And we had the Action Comics 80 Years of Superman Deluxe Edition graphic novel. Um, so if you were a Superman fan and you wanted all four of those, you spent about 50 bucks this week just on Superman books. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so why don't we start with the, 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 one of the smaller ones, uh, Superman number 45, which I believe is the, it feels like anyway, the last issue of the, um, Patrick Gleason, Pete Tomasi run, they're going to do a, uh, an, a giant size issue that kind of actually is the culmination of their run. That's going to be released as a one shot, but this is the last issue of Superman before Bendis comes in with a brand new Superman number one, Tim, Aaron, you guys read this. Uh, Tim, as some you have picked up Superman periodically because you're a fan of Jonathan Kent. I am a fan of Jonathan Kent, and I and I've been a fan the for just about the last year of the writing on on Superman and action. And uh, man, I'm really sad to see his team leave. Um, it was probably their time, to be fair, but um, I I love this book. This this. If I didn't pick up another Superman book for another year and a half or two, I'd probably be good. This was the uh, the say goodbye book, I guess is the best way to say it. <laughs> um, it's it's the it's the the Ken family officially moving out of the out of, out of the country and getting ready to move to the city. And it was let's put it this way, it was very wordy, and normally that's a turnoff. But it was the right wordy. Let's just put it that way to me. Yeah, it, it felt like the it felt like the dialogue was well considered in the book. And I'm right there with you, Tim. DC seems to have learned its lesson from Flashpoint. You know, when uh, we kicked over into Flashpoint and then rolled over into the new 52, we were never provided the opportunity to close out the stories that were occurring prior to Flashpoint. And not to mention on Superman, it was a horrible story going on when they went over. It was the grounded storyline. Right. And, uh, you know, so you never had the opportunity to, to say goodbye to characters before, you know, something fresh was coming in. And please understand, I don't think we're losing uh, the Superman that we've come to know and love in the Convergence and Rebirth stories. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's changing the the guard of those who were, were shepherding the, the, these characters that we love so much. Uh, and, you know, I got to tell you, I got a lot of anxiety about that because I felt like I just got my Superman back and uh, I'm going to be ragey, ragey uh, red Aaron <laughs> if I uh, don't get to keep my Superman. Um, and so I'm, I'm watching you, Bendis. 
Um, <laughs> but I, I, this was it was a great book. This 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 book had a whole lot of feels in it, and it was a lot of. Uh, you know, Superman teaching John a lesson about the necessity for change at the same time, teaching the reader a, le- a lesson about the necessity of change. Um, I liked the book a lot. I liked that Lois stole the uh, mailbox, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, and Superman's like, I think that's illegal. And, you know, when the flash shows up, I think that's illegal, you know, and, you know, Lois is like, you know, don't care. Taking the mailbox it's got my name on it. But uh, I, this was a great book. I, I enjoy. I enjoyed, you know, all of the little character moments. I enjoyed, uh, you know, just just seeing how this wrapped up. And it's one of those kind of books that I enjoy. I, I like the books where we take a moment and let the characters talk to each other without the world blowing up around them. I yeah, agree. no, I yeah, it was it was. <sighs> There's a lot of points where I had to reread it, especially when we got to start talking about change. Um, I I did like I I did like the appearance of, of Flash because one of the things that was going on is they were they were actually packing up, and uh, Lois had 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 told uh, the boys that there would be there'd be no costume shenanigans basically today, so it was going to be doing it the long way, and they're waiting for the movers, and Flash shows up. And Clark basically's like, well, I'm not in costume. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was a, it was, it was a good, it was a good, it was a, it did have the feels. I'll give it that. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny to me thinking about this book because this book only exists because during DC had uh, kind of they they needed an event book to kind of um, fill the gap between time periods. On uh, there, there was some something that got delayed or something, and they wanted to fill the gap, and so they came up with this convergence storyline that was basically like a Crisis on Infinite Earths mix, well, more like was, a secret, not not a um, Secret Wars, right? Where the or Battle of Champions kind of thing. Well, yeah. Paul, if you remember, it was also run. They were moving from yeah, the East Coast. That's what to it the was. West they were moving from East Coast to West Coast, and they needed something to kind of fill in the gap while that that move was occurring. So they had this weekly convergence series. Um, over, I think, a two-month span. And they they need, they need had some fill-in artists, not their regular teams, just kind of working on some books, some miniseries. And one of the, the worlds that they explored was that the pre-New 52 Superman was still alive with a family, that kind of thing. And the fans lobbed onto that so much that um, it, DC kind of scrambled and got the same creative team back to do... Um, another miniseries that led into this Superman returning. Um, and it's kind of a golden age of Superman because it's not, we're, we're celebrating action comics, 1000 and Superman 80th anniversary with the Superman that's been around for 30 years, not the new 52 Superman. Right. I don't know that we would be purchasing action comics. 1000. If, if it was the new 52 Superman. Yeah. Right. I still am surprised that they killed off the new 52 Superman. But I was glad that right away they merged reality, you know, merged his history. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that kind of brings us to Action Comics 1000, which I think was like an eight ninety nine, seven ninety nine, something like that book. Um, it, it was a put back on the shelf book for Tim. I, tell you. <laughs> I, st- I stared at that cover. I stared at the 80 pages and I thought one of two things is happening. Either they had to they had to give Brian Michael Bendis the amount of pages he would need to actually tell a 24 page story, which is why it took 80 <laughs> or it was going to have a bunch of reprints and crap. I didn't want anyway. Well, so and- that got put back. So well, I will say neither it, one is the answer. Yeah, neither one is the answer in that they, these were all new stories, no reprints. Um, I, and now I picked it. I, I think all three of us who read it picked it up digitally, which was nice because they had a number of the variant covers. Um, so so why does the Jim Lee cover suck so much? I don't know. It is. Why bad. is it? it because is it's Jim Lee. Well, but I mean, it's like they, they put a subpar uh, colorist and inker on it. I mean, this looks like somebody just colored right over the pencils. It is such a terrible cover. It is just generic. I think that's my issue. Yeah. With it. And don't get me wrong. It's not iconic. Uh, in fact, if you, if you're looking at the digital, most of the variant covers other than the Starenko one are actually better than the the one that they use as their actual cover. Oh no, I, I completely agree. I don't understand why any one of the other covers aren't used instead of the Jim Lee cover. 
I'm surprised because Alex Jim, Ross. They, they like why couldn't you get Alex Ross? It's a, it's Superman or Action Comics 1000. You know. Yeah, uh, it's just. I mean, it is a terrible, terrible cover by Jim Lee. It is. But the uh, I think it's a Mike Alred cover. I can't find the signature on the page, but it looks like Mike Alred kind of aping Kurt Swan. The '60s cover. Yeah. Yeah. It's and all it right. looks. Um, it looks amazing. Yeah, that's I a love that cover. That is a great cover. You know, it's got the the big key for the Fortress of Solitude, Bottle City of Candor. You've got all the super pets. Um, you you've got. I mean, it's something that I'm, I've always been surprised that we haven't seen in recent history, like in the last twenty years in Superman, is Lori Lamaris. You know, the the mermaid, yeah. right? I mean, I, I, if we've seen her. It is completely lost on me, but I that was a huge storyline. Yeah, I would have loved the uh, the new Fifty Two take on that story. Yeah, if they would have done it. Uh, I did not like the. Uh, see who did this one? The one where he's holding the flag that's all twisted around. I think that's Stranko. That's Stranko, yeah, yeah. I hated that cover. It's pretty poorly done. Yeah. Um. It. it it's yeah. Uh, but I like the Jurgens cover, obviously. Jurgens is, uh, you know, thinking back on it, Jurgens, Jerry Ordway, John Byrne, you know, those are the those are the Superman artists that I grew up with, really. Right. Um, and so I, I loved that we got some uh, Jurgens in this. I don't think Jerry Ordway is doing regular sequential art anymore, but he might have done a variant cover. I don't know. So the other variant cover I hated was the Lee Brajim- Bermejo. Yeah. yeah, really. I, I like that. I don't like that style of art. Yeah, you Never either have. like Libra Mayho or you don't. I mean, he's that. That is very indicative of his art style. Yeah, it's a. That's just the style of art I don't like on it. Nothing about it in particular, other than I don't like the style. So, how do you guys want to talk about this? Do you want to talk about it from a broad standpoint, or do you want to hit each story individually? I think we go broad. Okay. So we had, like I said, a number of stories. We had uh, one written and drawn by John Byrne. We had one by the creative team that we were just talking about, Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason. Um, We had another one by Marv Wolfman and art by Kurt Swan. Um, And that one, uh, I feel, was a a bit of a reprint, but I think maybe rewritten with new dialogue kind of thing. Um, You had one with art by Neil Adams, written by Paul Levitz. Uh, sorry, I, I, uh, I'm, I'm looking you had, um, the one written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner with art by Olivier Copiel, Olivier Copiel's first interior art, um, for DC comics, Tom King and Clay Mann did one. Uh, I mean, it just keeps going. Louise Simon. Oh, there is Jerry Ordway art. I totally forgot about the Louise Simonson story, um, with Jerry Ordway art. So, I mean, it's, and, and so on and so forth until you finally get to the actual, um, Bendis and uh, Jim Lee launch of the the Bendis storyline. I I hmm. loved aspects of this book. I'd say for me it's about half and half. I'd say where it, where it worked, it sung for me. Where it didn't, I, I it was a bear to get through even the four page stories. Uh huh. I can't I, think of anywhere where <clears throat> I would say it really sung. I mean, I oh, really. I really enjoyed the uh, Dan Jurgens, the first one. I like the first that, two. The Pete Tomasi and Pat Gleason storyline where uh, Pat yes. Gleason is, is doing the different styles from the every decade. Yes, of I agree. loved that. Yeah. A, where it was all one page spreads of mm-hmm. kind of honoring a different uh, era of Superman storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to tell you, I, as much as I enjoyed the the uh, pages by uh, Dan Jurgens and Norn Rappamond, um I feel like this book functions better as a picture book than it does as a storybook. Um, I think there's some beautiful pages in here to look at, uh, and I and I really enjoyed, you know, looking at the different artists and you know feeling nostalgic about those guys that uh, that uh, you know haven't drawn uh, Superman for us in a really long time and styles of Superman that we haven't seen in a long time. Well, but I and- found some of the stories suffer from the same thing that any short story anthology suffers from is that you've got one really good short story and a bunch of crappy ones or a bunch of at least non, you know, excellent ones, right? They're just not at that same level. And I, and I felt like that was the case. And I, in particular, you might, you might want to, uh, 
know, save this for later. But the Brian Michael Bendis story was terrible. Yeah, I, say, I hated the Brian Michael Bendis story. Yeah, I would agree. I think, I, and you I, know, what? let's it, get I, into that. I, I feel I, it was the worst one in the book. For I agree. Yeah, it's certainly the week. It was not only the worst one in the book. It was just a fight scene for most of it. Uh-huh. It's setting up a storyline that I don't want to read. Yeah. I don't want another one of those. Here's the secret of what really happened to Krypton. I don't want more, you know, callbacks to Jor-El or secret history things. We just did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am. I could not have been more disappointed with the Bendis storyline. It just that is not a story I want to read, and that really pains me. Well, and so the Aaron, you said something about this book about it being, uh, you know, less more a better picture book than a story book, and I would agree with that. I think that what I'm used to, uh, in, and I've been collecting action comics. I, I just looked this up. I, I think I picked it up. Um, you know, I started reading comics in the early '80s, and so uh, you know, if you do the math, I think that's somewhere in the 600s ish mm-hmm. of action comics. And it's not like I've read every issue in there, but, you know, I picked it up kind of a little bit before it went Action Comics Weekly. And uh, for me, every time there is a big Action Comics or Superman anniversary issue, it's typically the end or launch of a giant storyline. Right. It's it's the culmination of of, you know, the fall of Metropolis or, you know, an action or, or, or something big like that. Uh, someone dies. Someone comes back to life. Something gets destroyed. Some, you know, new creative team ends or begins. Um, whereas this book is really more of an homage book. This is this is a short story book where everyone's basically telling you how what Superman means to them. Um, right. Nothing big happens in this book. This is all, you know, uh, the the first story is the longest one at at kind of, um, you know, uh, the first two are are kind of longer ones, which deservedly so. Those are the current creative teams on their on the Superman books and the rest are kind of four or five pages. Um, But they're all just short stories where nothing consequential happens. Um, And for me, the Bendis part, I I hated the Bendis um, story, but only because for me, it wasn't a story. It was here. Here's a fight sequence. I would have much rather he. Uh, I I would have much rather had eight pages or whatever this is. Uh, this is eleven pages, twelve pages of legit Bendish writing of of Bendish writing a freaking conversation than Bendis than this action sequence because this action sequence without any context has little to no impression on me. Yeah. So I do want to say there was one thing in there that I liked. And I can only point to one scene in the entire Bendis story, or lack of story, that I liked. That was, he was thrown towards a building, and he stops himself in midair before the glass to not break through and hurt people. Yeah. I thought that, that was well was, That was a, that was the Superman, you know, kind of a voice of Superman kind of thing. I really liked that scene. It was followed up by him being knocked through the glass. Anyway. So people would get cut anyway, but that he would do that. That is Superman that, he, you know, he would stop himself from hitting the building just to not hurt people. Well, and if you'll rewind our podcast back a couple hundred episodes, you'll 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 hear us having the same conversation about how Bendis doesn't write good action. <laughs> um, Bendis is great at talky bits and 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 personal moments and things like that. But when it comes to straight up action sequences, balls out action sequences, Bendis isn't, that's not his strength. And, you know, and, and nowhere is that more evident in this book than his portrayal of Supergirl, who shows up about three times in the span of 12 pages without saying a single word and gets swatted away every time. And I was, I took objection to that. Um, you know, Bendis is known for writing strong female characters, but his portrayal of Supergirl, I mean, she flies in in one panel, backhanded out in the next panel. And that happens three times, and at no point does she utter a single word in this in this uh, twelve pages. And I kind of I was like, that's I don't know about that that choice. Yes, that I mean I'm a Supergirl fan. I want to see Superman interacting more with Supergirl. I don't want her to show up to save him out of every fight or anything. And in this book, it it kind of reminds me of a less well done version of when Supergirl shows up during the death of Superman. Yeah. This reminded me of a '90s Image comic. Yeah, well, the Jim Lee. That's what the, help. 
right. But I mean, the 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 story just it feels like, hey, let's just give all the the action bits. We, who, you don't really need character. Uh, and I mean, this could have been anybody other than that that one scene that that Wayne mentioned where Superman, you know, saves the uh, people in the bookstore. Um, but really, what were they doing in a bookstore? Come on. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I really I, 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 I feel like I knew that I wasn't going to like this 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 story. Uh, just kind of going into it. I've got a bad taste in my mouth about Bendis coming over to Superman. And a lot of it is being him being hailed as the savior of Superman. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the the article in the, in the Sunday papers uh, last week, but it was like, can this man make Superman cool again? And I'm like, God damn it. Superman was already cool. He was. Yes. I mean, bullshit. Jurgens already saved him. Exactly. And I mean, don't get me wrong. Bendis isn't responsible for that headline. The the newspaper is. But I, it just – it annoys me that, yeah, Bendis is a superstar talent. I think it's great to have him. I just feel like we're, we're, we're throwing out uh, some fantastic talent. And I get it. I learned the lesson from Superman number 45 – Change is a part of life, but I, I, you know, I'm kind of of the the Jonathan Kent school where it's like I don't, I'm not real wild about this change, um, and and I'm not real wild about this, and I am I am ready to be won over right by Bendis on Superman uh, because ultimately I just want cool Superman stories. Um, this this didn't help me at all. You know, I didn't like the design of the villain. Uh, you're right, Paul. He didn't handle Supergirl well in the, in, in those pages. And it was all a fight scene. We should have seen some character there. We should have seen some character with a hint of what was coming in terms of the danger instead of just the danger. I wasn't excited about Bendis coming over, but I didn't go in expecting to hate it. And I really hated it. Yeah. I don't, there was nothing. It was one scene that I enjoyed out of it and that was it. That really makes me nervous for Superman going forward. And when you wait when you go through all the other stories in there, nothing really wowed me about any of them in the thousand you know, in the Action Comics one thousand. Some of them I thought were good little short stories. I enjoyed the Louise Simonson story. I you know, I kinda miss her writing on Superman that she did a long time ago. Right. I enjoyed all of the interactions in the Dan Jurgens story, except I thought the ending was a little over the top. Uh, there were some stories in there I just absolutely hated, and some of the artwork I you know, really hated. But for the most part, the Bendis one was the only one that left me with this... Bad taste you know, in your mouth, right? Yes. Yeah, because I mean, I, I like the Meltzer one. I, I actually really liked the um, Johns and Donner storyline. I liked the Scott Snyder one. Um, ultimately, this is a good, if forgettable book, right? In, in the annals of history, Action Comics 1000, it's sad because it's a forgettable book. Nothing important yeah. happens. And it's, 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 it, it, they, they told their top current talent. And, and I'm going to get into that here in a second, that, that word current talent to, to, to just write a five page story on what Superman means to you. And so you get, and you get that you, you like the Scott Snyder story feels like a Scott Snyder story. The Tom King storyline feels like one too. My, my concern is, I shouldn't say concern. I feel bad about some of the folks that aren't in this book. Um, you know, you, you mentioned Louise Simonson, you know, Louise Simonson and Jerry Ordway on, are on the book, but why, why no John Bogdanov? Yeah. Um, why no Tom Grummet? Um, oh yeah, you know there, 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 there is obvious talent that is missing from this book, and I understand you can't get them all. And there are more variant covers than we have present in the digital copy, so maybe some of those folks had variant covers, but some of the folks that that are missing um, felt like obvious to me, right? Like yeah. because yeah. because I grew up with some of these creators, um, the fact that you, you're missing some of them was was rather surprising to me. The biggest one missing we knew wasn't going to be in there, and that was John Byrne for me. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I'm not really a fan of his current work so much, but he no, was he, he redefined Superman for me. So well, I he had a place there, and for generations, you know his his work on the Man of Steel, you know the the original reboot of uh, of Superman post Crisis, uh, was foundational to everything that has come after. 
And so to leave John Byrne out of this book is a glaring oversight. Well, and I know you guys are going to disagree with this, but and it sounds like it's because something actually happened to their story. Um, but Grant Morrison and Frank Quitely, you know, a lot of people point to All-Star Superman as one of the best Superman stories of all time. I don't agree with it. <laughs> oh, but I, I hate All-Star Superman. But the yeah, fact but I, that they were I, excluded from this book um, was was telling. Yeah, I do. I do agree with your assessment there, Paul. I, you know, a lot of people do regard All Star Superman as their Superman book, right? Yeah. Um, and, and which I, I find alarming, but I, I'll, I'll live with that. Um, and you're right. I mean, if you're doing one of these, you know, sort of jam books, uh, where you've got everybody, you know, in there who's who's touched the character, they should have been there. Well, and is the relationship with Mark Wade so bad? That you couldn't get him for a five-page yeah. storyline? Um, you know, what about Wait. Ed McGinnis? Uh, maybe he has that, an exclusive. Yeah. I, Marvel. I, you'd have thought that, you know, given the historic importance, you know, the first comic book ever to reach a thousand, right? Uh, that you would you would have, have, have seen, you know, you would have been able to work through some of that stuff. Yeah. You know, even just for a pinup, right? Uh, for some of that. So, it was, I mean, and... I mean, we could have easily have lost the John uh, uh, Cassidy book, right? Or the John Cassidy story. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there was room to be made here. Well, one thing that I do want to say, and, and I don't know how you guys felt about it, but for me, the Paul Dini, Jose Luis Garcia Lopez story, I mean, it fun, forgettable, very Paul Dini-ish, but it showed me that Jose Luis Garcia Lopez still has it. Oh, yeah, it, absolutely. Know, the, the guy came out of retirement to do this, and uh, he is also doing uh, a story with Bendis in DC Nation number zero, which comes out um, the same week as Free Comic Book Day. It's that 25 cent if you buy it in print, um, free if you get it digitally. It contains, uh, you know, the the previews of the big upcoming storylines coming to DC, the the wedding of Batman, Justice League, No Justice, and Man of Steel. And I'm... I'm Super looking forward to that book. And again, Action Comics, I'm glad I read it. Um, I didn't love it, uh, but it's not the only Action Comic books that Action Comics book that came out this week. Well, let you me... Know, let actually, me just... I want to hit one thing before we move on to anything else. The When I look back at the Superman stories over the years, there are some of them that I love and will reread over and over and over again. I don't think I'll ever reread this book. And as a big tribute book, that is kind of sad. I wanted this to be something that I would reread, like The Death of Superman, like whatever happened to The Man of Tomorrow. But this is one I won't reread. Hmm. So, you know, uh, I think, Paul, you were getting ready to transition us over to the uh, to the 80-year celebration book. Yes. So um, let me just say that I did the math. And uh, I read my very first issue of Action Comics, and I know this because it was my first Superman book I've ever read, uh, in 1976, the summer of 1976, uh, you know, the bicentennial celebration of our nation. And if you do the math, that means that I have been reading Action Comics for more than half of its run. Uh, I've been reading Action Comics for 42 years, also an alarming statistic. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I've seen a lot of uh, really good action comic stories and I've seen a lot of really bad action comic stories. Uh, and, but, you know, I got to say, I'm still here. I love this character. I adore this character. Um, and so I, I have not picked up the 80 year celebration book, uh, but Paul did. And he's going to tell us all about it. Well, I'm not going to tell you all about it because no, I, you're going to tell us <laughs> all about it, Paul. This is a 350 page book, so I haven't even cracked or 385 page book, I should say. So I haven't, I've, I've barely cracked um, the surface on this book. But what I like about this you book is it. you bought it digitally. I did buy it digitally. Um, you know, I, I, I thought about buying, given the, given what this book is, I did think about buying it in print. But it's also, <laughs> I was reminded. Uh, you know, because this week they had uh, a Comixology sale on, um, on on Action Comics related books and Superman related books, and they had the 75 year compilation on sale there. So I'm like, eh, I know 80 years feels like a big deal, 
but in five years, we're going to get another one of these compilations. So I'll just buy this digitally. It's not a big are, are deal. You, are, you, are you just going to wait for the hundred? I'm just going to wait, wait, wait for the hundred. That one, that one we won't even print on paper. Well, and to be honest, that's why I had, I didn't buy this book yet is I want the physical copy of it. This is one I want to have on a shelf. Well, uh, Paul's waiting for it to be issued on isolinear chip. Yes, just just implant it into my brain, <laughs> like Matrix style. Um, but I, what I do appreciate about this book, uh, more so than anything else, is the essays. They have a number of essays in this book, um, written by Paul Levitz, Laura Siegel Larson, um, Jules Pfeiffer, uh, Tom DeHaven, Marv Wolfman, um, just really interesting uh you know essays and and you guys know i love essays on this and one of them is called how i saved superman and that's written by marv wolfman and it's the i've only read three of the essays and this one i really enjoyed because it talks about how marv wolfman uh as a kid used to go to dc comics back in the um Back when he was a kid, I, I don't know that it actually explicitly states a year uh, when it was in New York. And at the time, DC would do weekly tours of their office. And, you know, this was before artists really knew that their original pages would be worth money. So once they saw print, the, they were just kind of like tossed, like thrown away, those original art pages. Uh, but if you took the tour, uh, a lot of folks on the tour... Um, like DC's production manager, Sol Harrison at the time, would ask if the people who took the tour, which was free, mind you, um, wanted uh, a page of original art. Uh, you know, they they like cart like if the cart happened to be coming by while you know on the way to the trash bin, um, while you know uh, while the tour was there, uh, they they would just hand out pages of original art. And Marv Wolfman um, got or got a number of pages from an unpublished Superman story. Um, now, it, it, the time, it's hard to tell, uh, but he said that, that Siegel and Schuster were paid for the story as if they wrote and drew it. So it, it, it certainly seems like they were the ones who created it. So, uh, you know, basically... It was, it, it was from their studio, right? Yes, it was you from know, their studio. This is back in the day and age, uh, you know, Charles Schultz did the same thing where you have a studio that draws in your style. And so while it might not have been the artist himself, part of the, you know, the, the, the it came out of their studio uh, done very much in the style of the of the original artist. Yeah. And so, you know, he, 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 he didn't get every page, but he was able to track down the other pages that he missed. And so this is in its entirety an unpublished in, and I see this in quotes, Siegel and Schuster Superman story. And, you know, it's not like it's a great story, but it's it's fun that there is this 80-year-old story, well, mm -hmm. maybe not a full 80 years, uh, that, that never saw the light of day um, that is now in this book. And so that that felt big enough to, to give this book a shot. Yeah. And there are other action comics tales in this book that are... And so this is specifically action comics reprints. Um and uh, and there, there's some good stuff in here, including, you know, when Clark revealed his identity to Lois Lane, uh, you know, and, and tales all the way back, of course, Action Comics number one. Uh, so it, it is it is a great trip down memory lane. And, and you know, just kind of a, if you're if you're a Superman fan, you're going to love this book. I don't need to tell you to buy it. Um, but I, I certainly have enjoyed what I've read of it so far, and I'm looking forward to digging into the rest of it. Well, I plan to pick it up. Uh, I'm going to wait for the digital copy to go on sale uh, at some point, mm -hmm. and I will pick up the hard copy as well. I'm going to own it both ways. There you go. Yeah. Well, one more Superman-related title came out this week, Super Sons, number 15. Uh, that This title is, I think, only has two more issues. I think it's this issue and the next issue. God, that's um, so upsetting. That's so upsetting to hear. It is. It is. Yeah. But the, you know, it's it's not been revealed what's going to become of Jonathan Kent um, when Bendis okay. takes over. But we'll find out uh, next month. I want to let Tim talk about this book, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, I, I do want to say that I think it's just grossly irresponsible of uh, fathers Batman and Superman to build their 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 kids' secret hideout under hundreds of feet of water. It seems like it's going poorly. Yeah, well, and I, I mean, of course, at some point, a wall is going to breach because they're superheroes. And, uh, you know, when you've got one of them, Damien, 
who uh, doesn't have super lung capacity. This just seems grossly irresponsible. Tim, take it away. Well, I, I'd like I'd like to point out that it's not as if they didn't have a babysitter. They did. <laughs> he showed up later. <laughs> I man, the, it, it is it is a sad thing to say that 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 Super Sons is going to go away. Um, and I'm holding my breath to hope that they continue to do something with these two characters together because I I still love this book. Um, Super Sons was an, was a, was an enjoyable read. Um, they did call back to uh, I believe it was the first villain in Super Sons, which is this Amazo Techno Virus guy. Yeah, Kid Amazo. Kid Amazo, right? Um, and while I doubt that he could pull off what he did at the end of the book, I was I I I, I was in, I was. I was happy to to see this fight, this this confrontation, but you're right, Aaron. You don't put a bay, you don't put a, a room at the bottom of, of of the of the bay and think as it'll be fine. You're right. Yeah. Especially with especially in <laughs> Jonathan Kansas is still a little sketchy on some of his powers. Let's be fair. Well, and you know you think about Damien because you know the League of Assassins is always going to show up with when Damien's around. So you know you you got problems on both sides. You know you could have uh, you know uh, Jonathan's you know heat vision go off all of a sudden and blast a hole in the wall, or you could have Talia show up and and you know blast a hole in the wall. So it sh- it just seems really really poor thinking. And you don't even have it. I believe it's in a lake. I don't even think it's in salt water. So it's not like Aquaman can just, uh, you know, be close by. No. You know, because he, he's usually in a sea or an ocean. He's not generally in a uh, in, in a lake. Right. Nor, nor nor does he have time for the shenanigans. But you know who does, oh, Aaron? Yeah. Aquaman's got nothing but time. What the <laughs> fuck is Aquaman doing all day? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I'm not reading Justice League. <laughs> but yes, Cyborg does show up because he apparently, you know, had monitor duty that day. Right. right. And it was sort of funny watching him and Robin together and going, this is that it's kind of, I don't want to say iconic, but you, you get so used to him when you see him on TV and you see him, you, you know, on multiple cartoons, and then you got these two together. And I'm like, this is nowhere near that <laughs> dynamic. Yeah. You know, so one of the things that we learned from Cyborg is that Batman and Superman said, "Hey, if there's a problem at the clubhouse, you do whatever you got to do. You 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 grab the kids, you take them back to the Batcave, right? That's the, that's the rule. Stop what you're doing, go get the kids, take them back to the Batcave." And here's my thing. At what point does the Justice League become babysitters for Batman and Superman? And is that a condition of enrollment? I mean, you know, do they, they just say, hey, look, you know, you're on the team. You get to watch my kids so many hours a week. I think it's and, the newbie hazing, right? I, I, the, the new the new guy has to do it. Well, and he is the least tenured guy on that team, right? right? New guy I, got his babysitter duty. Yeah. Hey, hey Proby. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just at one I would just see that you know hey uh, you know welcome to the team uh, Aaron Man uh, you know with all of your your powers far and above far beyond those of mortal Aaron's um, you get to watch the kids on uh, Tuesdays and Saturdays now, fuck you I don't want to do that I'll go have my own solo adventures I, I don't need this shit I'll I'll, I'll I'll join I'll join the Fantastic Four they're two down. You know, and they don't, and either one of those guys have kids. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll go join the new mutants. I don't need this shit. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So fuck you, Superman. Fuck you and your super asshole. That's what I would say. <laughs> I'm sure that conversation go well. Hey, Bruce, put this in your bat cave. You know. <laughs> Sorry, I took it to a dark place. I just saw that and I'm like, that is just that is some bullshit when the boss is making you watch their kids. Uh, pick up the dry cleaning while you're at it. Too. That's right. Hey, and I'm going to need you to make dinner tonight. Yeah. Fuck you, Batman. <laughs> I'm not your butler. Go get Alfred to do this. Oh, <sighs> uh, I just <laughs> man. And if there's. <laughs> I'm just, it's one of those things where it's like cyborg shows up 
and they're at the bottom of the ocean. Well, he can be somewhat effective because you know he's stronger than normal. But like, you know, what if Green Arrow was watching that watching that day and be like, they're under yeah. how much feet of water? I I don't think yeah, I've that's... got a trick arrow for this. <laughs> you know, damn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Your black canary. Yeah. yeah. Just turn off the monitor. Yeah. I can yeah, see David right. just walk like, away. What are you gonna do? You gonna scream at the water until it evaporates? What are you gonna do about it, lady? Walk away. That's what <laughs> How would you just let me go as I go do yeah. what I need to do? I'm just gonna turn this monitor off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I thought uh, you said if the kids were in trouble I should watch them. Yeah. Yeah. Not help them. Yeah. <laughs> It was really exciting for a while. <laughs> uh, anyways, good book. Um, like I said, it was sad to see it go. <laughs> I, I think Aaron and I had more enjoyment out of it just talking about it. To be fair. <laughs> I just thought that was some 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 crazy bullshit from uh, <laughs> from the big two. That's all I'm saying. Well, let's just put it, let's just put it this way: if 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 Aaron had super Aaron kid. I wouldn't be watching the monitor. <laughs> sounds like a Paul job. Yeah. Mm. I don't know why it's my job. It sounds like an Andrew job. <laughs> <sighs> so, yeah, Paul? We would, we would tell Paul that everyone does it, but it would really just be Paul. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you're, he's going to be busy editing anyway. He can do both. Uh, there you right. go. Right. So, Paul? Yes, sir. I understand uh, the much-anticipated Avengers Infinity War is opening up at theaters next week. Yes, next week, Avengers Infinity War is out in theaters. Of course, there's your regular line of new comics, uh, things like new issues of Thor, um, the, the first issue of The Hunt for Wolverine from Marvel Comics, a couple of things. But obviously, the big thing to happen next week is Avengers Infinity War will be in theaters uh, starting next Thursday evening. Very exciting. And I imagine that uh, one or two of us will have seen it in time for next week's podcast. And so we'll talk about it uh, in some detail. Some detail. Right here. Right here. Spoil it. We're going to spoil it right now. Right here on Marvel Infinity War with Aaron Polly. Woo! Bye, everybody. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast.